Our gospel for today comes from Luke, the 13th chapter. Now Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are free from your ailment. When he had laid his hand on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, but not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites! Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he was doing. This is the gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Grace to you and peace from God, our creator, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to start off today by telling two stories about connections. First one occurred when I was working at, uh, as a chaplain at Advocate Christ Medical Center on the south side of Chicago. I was on call one weekend, and a woman who was in the psych ward asked for a Bible. And so I grabbed a Bible, and I brought it up to her room. And upon entering her room, I could see that she was very agitated. She was just pacing constantly back and forth, doing this with her hands, wringing her hands, talking to herself. I don't even think she knew that I had entered the room at this point. So I knocked on the door, and I said, hi, I'm Gina. I'm one of the chaplains here. You asked for a Bible. And she turned, she said, oh, yeah, yeah, thank you. You can, you can just put it right there. And then she went back to her constant walking and talking, and anxiety was filling her, I could tell. So I sat down, and I said, so how, how are you doing today? And she goes, well, I'm fine. But my dad, he was at the, and then there was this rainbow, and, and then we went fishing, and we finally, and then my dad, you see, he went off and, and he did, she couldn't complete a full sentence. She was so anxiety-driven and so focused on all these different things that she just, she couldn't even make sense of what was going through her mind. So I listened, I tried to interact as much as I could, and then at the end, I said, would you like me to pray for you? And she said, yes, that would be great. So she sat down on the bed, and I sat down next to her, and I asked her if it would be okay if I laid my hand on her shoulder while we prayed. And she goes, yeah, yeah, that's fine. So I laid my shoulder on her hand, and the first thing that she did was, <sighs> the anxiety already started going out of her. And then I went to pray with her, and... One of the things I usually do when I pray, especially in chaplaincy, 
is I'll finish my prayers with the Lord's Prayer because many of us know that by heart, and so that's an opportunity for those people to participate in the prayer with me. So I got through my part of the prayer, and I started the Lord's Prayer, and she was able to say every single word of that prayer for memory. And that was an amazing God connection moment for me. Second story also occurred in Chicago. I was doing a mini internship at Redeemer Lutheran Church. And as part of this internship, I uh, noticed that one of the ministries they had was a prison ministry. And I'd never been involved in prison ministries before, but uh, I wanted to learn more about them and see how this worked. And so I volunteered to be a part of this prison ministry. And of course, there were lots of securities. We had to get background checked. Uh, we brought in Bibles, but they had to be the approved kinds. They had to look through several of the Bibles to make sure we didn't hide anything in the Bibles. There was this whole hullabaloo just to get in the doors. And then when we got in, because this was a transfer, sort of a transfer site uh, for inmates before they were sent to other prisons around the country, we weren't even able to see anybody. We basically went into a cell block, and there were these big metal doors, and you know they had a little window, but it was pretty high up, and we just sort of were not, we were told not to make eye contact. So all we could do is we would knock on the door, and we'd ask, would you like a Bible or a devotional? And if they said yes, you'd have to take your Bible and fold it in half, fold it flat, like to Psalms, and then you could slip the Bible under the door. So just barely fit these Bibles under the door. So I was going around, and after you ask that question, usually you offer to pray with them. And so I would prayed with a couple of folks. A couple of folks wanted Bibles. But then I came to this one man's cell, and I knocked on his door, and I said, would you like a Bible or a devotional? And he said, oh, I would love a Bible. Thank you so much. And so I opened the Bible, and I shoved it under the door. And before I could offer to pray with him, he turned around and asked if he could pray for me. Now, as a pastor, it's amazing how wherever you show up, you're automatically expected to pray, even at social gatherings. And so this was kind of a shock. Not many people have offered to pray for me before. And so I gladly took it. I said, yes, I would love it if you would pray for me. And I don't remember the exact words he said, but I remember that I was at peace after that prayer. I could feel the spirit move. The arms on the back of my uh, arm, or sorry, the hairs on the back of my arm stood straight up. It was one of those amazing connection moments. Our God is a God of connections. We make connections with people everywhere we go. We make connections with people at work, at Starbucks. I know most of the baristas are starting to get to know me pretty well. Um, maybe some of you as well. We make connections with people sometimes at the grocery store, at work, with your neighbors. We make connections everywhere. And yes, one of the big places you make connections also is here. Whenever you come to this place to be together with other Christians and like-minded beliefs and just enjoy each other's company and worship and be a part of the Sabbath time. In our lessons for today, Sabbath comes up quite a few times. 
And so it's important, I think, for us to pause for just a second and think to ourselves, what is Sabbath? What does that mean for us today, right? Is it getting your kids all dressed up to come to church? I know I don't bother dressing my kids up. <laughs> it just is too long. Is it coming to church on Sundays? Is it not doing certain work that you would do the rest of the, the week so that you could have a break, a breather? Is it taking a long nap? That's my favorite part of Sundays in the afternoon, I got to tell you. All of those things, yes, are technically part of the Sabbath. But I think in today's scriptures, we are being challenged to broaden our understanding of what Sabbath is. The utmost authority on Jewish theology and Sabbath as well is Abraham Heschel. And one of the things that he writes in this book is that Shabbat comes with its own holiness. We enter not simply a day, but an atmosphere. The Sabbath is a metaphor for paradise and a testimony to God's presence. In our prayers, we anticipate a messianic era that will be Sabbath, and each Shabbat prepares us for that experience. And he also says, I think this is my favorite quote of his, the Sabbath is the presence of God in the world, open to the soul of humanity. God is not in things of space, but in moments of time. God does not live here in this building. God lives within us. And God is with us all the time. And so if God is with us, and God is the Lord of the Sabbath, that gives us rest and renewal, perhaps any time you experience God and the presence of God is a holy Sabbath moment. Maybe instead of a Sabbath day, we should thinking, be thinking throughout the week about Sabbath moments. We shouldn't have to wait for the Sabbath day to come back and be refreshed and renewed after a really frustrating, stressful, hard week at work. Because God is the Sabbath within us every day. So how do we find these Sabbath moments, which I believe are glimpses into the kingdom of God? These Sabbath moments that remind us of the hope that we have in Christ, the hope that defies fear and anxiety and brokenness and stress. Our scriptures for today talk a lot about connections made through the Sabbath. Our Old Testament lesson from Isaiah begins by talking about how we live in community and how we should be in community. And they're kind of obvious things, right? Don't judge one another. Don't point the finger. Work together for the greater good. And it's when we are connected and working together that we are stronger. And then without skipping a beat, he moves into talking about the Sabbath. Isaiah writes, if you refrain from trampling the Sabbath, from pursuing your own interests on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways, serving your own interests or pursuing your own affairs, then you shall take delight in the Lord. Though it is called a Sabbath day, the essence of Sabbath is simply to put God and others first. And in context with the first half, to create and build up connections with others, 
by showing love first, by being open-minded, by being gracious. This is what Jesus, I think, is trying to get across in our gospel for today as well. Jesus is trying to challenge the traditional thinking of Sabbath. You see, when the Sabbath was initially given as part of the Ten Commandments, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, it was intended to make sure that God's people were specifically making time to rest, to make sure everybody in all circumstances had a time of rest, whether you were a slave or a slave owner, whether you were poor, whether you were alien in a foreign land, everybody should be able to rest on the Sabbath day and have that time. And as things went on, you can even see this when you look up the different definitions of Sabbath in Hebrew and in Greek. As time went on, this idea of Sabbath changed a lot. And the leaders throughout history, the Jewish leaders, created these different rules that were initially supposed to help people obey the Sabbath and help people observe the Sabbath, help them to rest. But soon it turned into almost a burden. You can't push a button on the Sabbath. You can't untie a knot on the Sabbath. You have to do this. You have to do that. You can't do this on the Sabbath. And I think Jesus saw that and said, wait, 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 wait. This is, this is taking away from the original intention of what Sabbath was supposed to be. This gift to God's people to allow them time to rest and relax and do the things that they need to fill themselves up again. And so in our gospel for today, Jesus is teaching in the synagogue on the Sabbath. That's usually when he gets in the most trouble, right? When Jesus teaches on the Sabbath. He's teaching on the Sabbath again. And a woman walks in who is completely bent over and has been for 18 years. And Jesus sees her, calls out to her, tells her to come over, and says, woman, your ailment is gone. And then touches her, and she stands up straight and praises God. Now, if I saw that, that would be really amazing. I feel like that would be an amazing God moment for me. But the leader in the synagogue was really upset by this. And he said, no, 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 no. If you're going to heal people, you should do it on those other six days that God gave us to work. You shouldn't be healing people on the Sabbath. That's God's day. You shouldn't do anything on the Sabbath, period. This is a violation of our laws. So if you stop for a second and realize that this is what's going on, think about the why behind Jesus' actions here. This woman did not ask to be healed or beg to be healed. Jesus simply saw her, called her out, and said, basically, you do not need to suffer anymore. You should be healed today. There's no reason for you to wait to have to receive peace and healing and love. There's no reason for it. And so Jesus' challenge to the community back then is that we should always have access to God and these Sabbath moments even throughout the week. 
Because part of the Sabbath, part of the reason we do come to church, part of the reason we worship together as believers is so that we can bring all the stuff that's happened this week and just give it up to God, whatever that is. Say, God, forgive me. God, take this. God, I'm so mad at. God, I'm so frustrated. And we can give those things to God and feel this breath of fresh air. But what if you didn't have to wait to Sunday to do that? What if you could do that at any time? Well, guess what? You can, right? Through Jesus, Jesus is with us all the time, every day of the week. We come here to worship. This should be considered the first day of our week so that we are filled up and reminded that God is with us all the time so that when we go out into the world and live our lives, we make these holy connections. We have these holy Sabbath moments on our own. We don't have to wait until Sunday. Take time. Find somebody to talk to. Take time just by yourself to grab a Sabbath moment. We don't have to carry these heavy burdens for one more day. Passover and the Sabbath are both about freedom. And Passover and freedom are often interconnected and related in the Old Testament. One other book that I wanted to mention is Dan B. Ollender's book, who also uh, wrote a book about Sabbath, with a foreword by Phyllis Tickle, who I also love. And he says, the Sabbath is the celebration of freedom from ourselves, and if for us, then for all who reside under our roofs. The Sabbath, therefore, is not merely a day to stop working. It is a day to renounce all activity that impoverishes, enslaves, or demeans others. It is a day set aside not to take or to procure, but to nourish and to give. Indeed, indeed, it is a day to dream and to hope. Jesus' connection with the bent-over woman is amazing and is meant to be a reminder of the freedom we receive in Christ and have access to 24-7. Thank God Jesus does not have business hours, right? So whenever you're feeling down, whenever you're feeling alone, maybe disconnected from the world, I invite you to either create a Sabbath moment for yourself or call somebody, talk to someone, create those connections that go well beyond our understanding of peace and love and the greater vision of the kingdom of God. Amen.